0: Broadcasting from the Center of Oddity and the Supernatural in Central Florida. It's the History Goes Bump podcast
1: Hello you spectacular people. Welcome to this 390th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I'm your host, Diane. And this is Kelly. Kelly, on this episode, we are going to be sharing with the listeners a location that we not only recently visited, but we stayed overnight. We sure did. The 1872 Denim Inn, which is a bed and breakfast in the town of Monticello, Florida. It was a wonderful stay. It was a wonderful stay. It's a very cool house. And the city is really amazing, too. Full of antique shops. So now we have to return eventually so we can go through those. Absolutely. I agree. I need to find some more old bottles. Before we get into that, we want to welcome into the Spooktacular crew, Marilyn, Eric, Jeremy, Spooky Gals Corner, Amber, Amanda, Christina, who spells her name with a C-H, David, Carrie with a K and an I and only one R, Lynette, jonathan and chloe welcome to the crew you guys and now this moment in oddity
2: chalk this oddity up to a very weird death that leaves behind more questions than answers many of you probably heard the story reported several weeks ago about a body being found inside the leg of a dinosaur statue This statue was a papier-mâché figure in the shape of a stegosaurus that sat outside of the cubic building in Barcelona, Spain. It was being used as an advertisement for an old cinema. A father and son were walking by the statue when they caught the unmistakable scent of death. The father looked through a crack in the leg of the dinosaur and saw the body of a man. He quickly called the authorities and three fire brigades worked to free the body. This was a 39-year-old man who had been reported missing by his family. There was no foul play involved, but this is where things got even weirder. The man was found upside down in the leg, and the authorities reasoned that he had been trying to retrieve a dropped cell phone. Question number one is how did the cell phone end up dropped inside a dinosaur statue that is four-legged and parallel to the ground? Question number two is how did this guy get inside the statue? The only opening we saw was through the mouth, and it didn't seem big enough for a man to crawl through. But even if he did, this brings us to question number three. Why wouldn't he cry for help? We don't know the cause of death, so perhaps he fell onto his head. Hopefully the results of an autopsy are released soon, and we will get some answers because finding this missing man dead inside of a dinosaur statue certainly is odd.
0: Pull the covers up, Tartan. That chill you feel isn't the air conditioning.
2: (laughs) And now, this month in history.
1: In the month of June on the 7th in 1913, Alaskan missionary Hudson Stuck led the first successful ascent of Denali. The mountain was formerly known as Mount McKinley and is today inside the Denali National Park and Preserve. It is the highest point on the American continent standing at 20,320 feet. And fittingly, the name Denali comes from the Koyukon people of Alaska's Athabascans and means the high one. The name change officially to Denali came in 2015. Hudson Stuck was an amateur mountaineer who became Archdeacon of the Episcopal Church in Yukon, Alaska in 1905. In 1913, he recruited three men to join him in an ascent of Denali. These were Harry Karstens, Walter Harper, and Robert Tatum. The climb took them seven and a half weeks, and they did it all with just pickaxes. They had to endure temperatures that dropped to minus 80 degrees, and one of their camps caught fire, destroying supplies and food. Denali's true summit is its South Peak and Stuck was the first to reach it. Harry Karstens would go on to become Denali National Park and Preserve's first superintendent.
2: Monticello, Florida has a claim to being the South's most haunted town. The 1872 Denham Inn is located in Monticello. And when we realized we had a chance to pass through on a road trip to New Orleans, we decided to book a night in this bed and breakfast's most haunted room, the Blue Room. On this episode, we'll share the history, haunts, and our investigation of the 1872 Denham Inn.
1: Monticello is located in the panhandle of Florida, about 26 miles east of Tallahassee. The county it resides in is Jefferson County, so we bet you can guess where Monticello gets its name from. We headed to the Letchworth Love Mounds before checking into the inn. These mounds are very overgrown, but you can tell that they are not part of the natural topography. This is Florida's tallest Native American ceremonial mound. And we emphasize the ceremonial part because many of these Native American mounds that are found throughout America, Kelly, generally are burial mounds. This is true. But no bones were ever found inside these mounds. So that was very unique to me because usually you hear stories of them finding people buried within these.
2: That's true. This ceremonial mound was built between 1,100 and 1,800 years ago and rises 51 feet. Like other mounds, these were built by carrying dirt in baskets and dumping it until the large hill is formed. The people who built the mound are believed to be part of the Whedon Island culture. They were in this area between 200 and 450 AD. Artifacts here, though, lead archaeologists to believe that some group of people have lived here for over 10,000 years. There are two other mound sites in this part of Florida. They used the mound to conduct rituals, have ceremonies, and play games. The people lived in huts nearby and grew maize. A little fun fact that connects Thomas Jefferson to all of this is that he once excavated a Native American mound. And the county here is named Jefferson. Some historians actually claim that Jefferson is the father of American archaeology because of this effort.
1: Yeah, so I just thought that was a little bit of fun synchronicity that we were in Jefferson County checking out one of these mounds and that he was one of the first people in America to excavate one of these. Yeah, very cool. I never knew that they had dubbed him as the father of American archaeology, so I thought that was cool. We're not going to talk a whole lot about the city of Monticello because we did a ghost tour there and we're going to have our guide join us on a future episode to talk about the haunted locations there because there is a lot going on in this city. Indeed. We got to go into the old jail there. So Kelly, we've been spending a lot of time in old jails in Florida. (laughs) This is true. (laughs) This one didn't really strike us as much as being haunted. We were only in it for about maybe 10 minutes. The EMF was pinging orange the entire time, which made us think that there was probably some kind of electrical something going on. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk about John Denham. He was a hardworking man who became very successful. His parents, Andrew and Jane Denham, immigrated from Dunbar, Scotland to Baltimore, Maryland in 1832 when John was 14 years old. The family eventually made their way to Monticello, Florida, and this is where Denham would spend the rest of his life. He got into the export and import businesses, shipping merchandise down the St. Mark's River to foreign ports. He became a cotton king. John married Carolyn Ellen Marvin in 1848. The couple would have 11 children, and several of them would die young based on the records on gravestones. The children were Robert, Josephine, Martha, John Jr., another Martha, Agnes, Jane, Carolyn, Thomas, Jesse, and Eliza. Two daughters and a son would live into their 80s, and three of the denim daughters, Agnes, Carolyn, and Eliza, all died in 1940. I thought that was kind of weird to have them all die in the same year. Did it indicate how they died? No, and two of them were in their 80s, and one of them I think was in her 70s. Interesting. The Denham family are all buried at the Rosen Cemetery in Monticello. John and Carolyn built their first home at the corner of Palmer Mill Street. When the Civil War broke out, most of the businesses
2: in Monticello were shut down. But Denham had aligned himself with the Confederacy, and he used his business to keep the Confederate Army supplied. After the war, Denham was still flush with cash, and he decided he wanted to build his family a much bigger home. This would be a 5,000-square-foot, two-story house just blocks away from the first house. Denham supervised all of the construction work and requested something that had not been added to many houses at that time, in the early 1870s, and that was a cupola. These were used by women in the past to watch for ships coming in on the coast or by plantation owners so they could keep an eye on the work in the fields. John was one of these guys who wanted the best of everything. He was totally into that age-old adage of keeping up with the Joneses. So he used that cupola to keep an eye on the Joneses. He wanted to make sure that he was doing better than them. Every evening, he would carry a lantern up to the cupola and look out over the area.
1: It's so cool when you see the house from the outside because there's several historic homes in the area. And of course, none of them have this thing. And you're sitting there looking at it going, I've never seen anything like that where it's not on the coast looking out over the water. Exactly. And it was very cool that we got to go up into it. Yes, And that seems to be one of the most seen bits of paranormal activity at the Denham Inn, a light coming from the cupola and a shadowy figure sitting up there. John Denham was only 54 when he died at his home in 1874. There were times when the house stood empty, but neighbors said that the house was not silent. They would hear music coming from the house and disembodied voices. And John is not the only ghost here. There's a ghost who's been nicknamed Aunt Sarah that is here too. Some guests have claimed to capture her in pictures. She is thought to have been John's unmarried sister. She never married, but rumors claim that she kept company with a popular and married politician. Ooh la la. Scandalous. He would meet up with her in her room, and that is today the room known as... The Blue Room, Kelly. This room is said to have the most activity, and this is where we stayed for the evening. Children guests claim to be tucked into bed by someone they can't see. She likes to sit in the rocking chair in this room. It has been seen there as an apparition, and sometimes the rocking chair just moves on its own. The television turns on and off by itself, too. We also saw a story claiming that there is a lady in white here that might be wearing a wedding dress and is seen running across the yard. There was no rocking chair in the room, just a plush seat with matching ottoman. The
2: room is painted blue, which is where it gets its nickname from. A modern ceiling fan hung from the original slapboard ceiling, and the furniture was antique. The bathroom was more modern with a little closet off of it where we found a creepy doll. I took a picture. I'll put
1: it up on Instagram. <laughs> I was like, what is this doing in the back corner here? It was like standing up and I'm well, not I know sure. when you
2: got up in the middle of the night to use the restroom, you were staring at that
1: door. Yeah, I was like, if, <laughs> if that, that door opens... <laughs> unclicks and opens, I'm like going to be off this toilet in two seconds.
2: <laughs> Everything was very nice and comfortable. Downstairs, there's a sitting room or parlor that leads into a dining room with a mural on the wall that looks like trees. The rooms are decorated with antiques. There are 13 rooms in total with eight fireplaces in the house. We met Pat Inman, the innkeeper, who restored the house and runs it as the bed and breakfast. She was a nice lady. Diane's parents stayed across the hall from us. We made sure to book them a non-haunted room.
1: (laughs) Yeah, when I told my folks, we invited them to go on this New Orleans trip with us. And I said, we're not going to drive straight through. We're going to have a pit stop in Monticello because I've heard a lot of great stuff about it. And there's this bed and breakfast to stay there that's haunted. And my mom kind of got this look on her face like, I'm not sure about staying in a haunted place. And I said, don't worry. There's two rooms that I've heard are haunted in there. And neither one of them are the room that you're going to be in. I, however, did not know that the most haunted room in the house was going to be right across from them, but they slept like babies and didn't have any issues. (laughs) True. Although we're going to get into talking about some of the activity we had. It was when mom was in the room. She just was using our bathroom. She was indeed. We started investigating after we brought our stuff up to our room on the second floor. So that's where the blue room is located. You go up the staircase. It's one of those wraparound staircases with a little landing in the middle and then immediately to your left is the blue room. We got out the EMF detector, which would record no activity throughout the investigation, the dousing rods, the flashlight, and a little recorder. I set up the EMF and flashlight right next to each other on the mantle, because we had a fireplace in our room, and we asked the spirits to light things up. Then Kelly started using the dousing rods. All right,
0: let's start over. So is there
2: someone still here with us? Sorry about the disruption.
1: Cross them for yes. Thank you. Thank you. Can you point them straight ahead again? And oh, we forgot to introduce ourselves. Yes. That's Kelly, and I'm Diane. Yes, I'm sorry. We were very rude. Yes. Can you point them straight away from me? Point them straight at me? Can you point like this? So we can ask another question. Yeah, that's great. Keep doing that. All the way up, please. Thank you very Thank much. You. Are you a man? Mm-hmm.
2: Thank you. Can
1: you put them both back towards me? Every time after you answer, we have to straighten them out so we can ask another question. Thank you. So I'm assuming that you are a woman like us. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's wonderful. (laughs) So we think we know one of the women that might be here. Is this Sarah? Are you Sarah? All the way around towards my shoulders on both sides. You can do not both, no. so we know for sure that that's a No. Okay. So we are not right. speaking, to Sarah. Okay. Thank you. Can you point them back both towards me? So I guess we'd like to know how old you are. Kelly is forty-eight. Almost. Almost. <laughs> Almost. So you're forty-seven, and I'm forty-nine. Are we talking to? S- yes. <laughs> so are we talking to someone who is in their forties? Are you in your 40s?
2: Can you cross them all away if it's
1: yes, please? Or if it's no? That's Thank yes. You. Thank you Perfect. very much. Can you point them back to parallel? Did you live in this house? Did you live here? Or did you Do want- you live here? Do you live at this house? Thank you. Yes. Sorry to put that in the past tense. <laughs> They're
2: saying you're rude.
1: <laughs> Can you point it back towards me? That's <laughs> the second time you didn't jump <laughs> Sorry for being rude. I mean, clearly you are living here right now. Yes. We're excited to be guests here in the blue room. Indeed
2: we
1: are. Is this your favorite room in the house? Is the blue room your favorite? It took a little Thank minute you. that said yes. Yeah.
2: All right, well, let me ask something really quickly. Are we bothering you by asking questions? Because we don't mean to be rude and we don't mean to bother you. We are bothering you? Okay. Yes. I'm sorry. We will
1: leave you to it. Okay. <laughs> that was a double yes. Yeah.
2: All right. Well, we're sorry, but thank you for taking a moment thank to speak with us.
1: So my question for you, Kelly, is... Were you sensing something that made you ask that? Because we were doing a back and forth trying to identify who we were speaking with, with the dowsing rods. And then all of a sudden you're like, let me ask something really quick.
2: I was. Yeah, I I definitely was getting an overall impression that we were disturbing her. Was it just the feel of
1: the rods or were you just sensing that in your spirit?
2: A little bit of both. I, I started feeling it just with the rods reactions or the time it was taking them to react and the way that they were moving versus how they began originally. Sure. And then just all overall, just within myself, I could could get that feeling.
1: So we just kind of left things alone for a little bit, but we had just a certain amount of time before we were going to be going to dinner and then we'd be doing the tour. So we weren't sure how much investigation kind of time we were going to have. So it was like, okay, we know that this person doesn't want to talk to us, but we need to get something going here. Well, we did leave the room for a little bit too. And then we came back. So. We did. So then we started an Estes Method spirit box session. This is one of my favorite things to do. We have a spirit box, and SB7. I put earbuds in and then I put on noise canceling headphones over those. And then Kelly asked questions. But we did this one a little bit differently because we weren't having Kelly really ask questions. But I wanted to have earbuds in my ears because it's really hard to hear the SB-7 unless you have it hooked up to speakers. So I had those in my ears when I was doing this. And immediately when I started it going, I got the name Mike. If somebody else that would like to talk with us, you can speak to her through
2: that and she'll tell me what you're saying. But you don't want to be bothering anybody either. We're always very curious about the history of a place.
1: Want to respectfully learn as much as possible, Mike. So, as you heard there, Kelly was doing a little bit of just regular conversing, and then she went into the bathroom to unpack her stuff. She wanted to freshen up a little bit, and I was getting a whole lot of nothing. So it's like Kelly left the room, and any spiritual activity left with her. And hopefully they didn't follow me into the restroom. <laughs> That's always a
2: concern for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, they were hanging out with you, I think, because what was really interesting is we thought we were talking to one spirit with the dowsing rods before this. You came out of the bathroom, and all of a sudden, I'm hearing several spirits coming through that spirit box. So it's like you brought the party back with you. I guess so. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and play that spirit box session here for you guys. Anything else? Getting a whole lot of nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You walked in and then it did say something.
2: Just now? And I but I can't tell what it here. said. Can you please repeat that? Too much makeup.
1: <laughs> I've got a female.
0: Oh, hello. My name is Kelly.
1: We can hear you if you'd like to talk to us. Are we talking to somebody else? Or perhaps is it the same female that wanted to be left alone? Me. Can you tell us who me is? Please. Yes? Okay, please say your name. Your first name. I'm Diane. I'm Kelly. We appreciate you chatting with us. Female, but I'm not sure what that name was. Could you say it again? It almost sounded like M. Could you try to say it one more time please? Sometimes it's really hard to understand on there. How old are you? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. I know it's a little impolite to ask a woman her age.
0: Yeah,
1: it is. We don't mean anything rude by it. We're just trying to find out who possibly is with us. I didn't quite get that. Was that eight? You sound much older. I don't think you're a child maybe you meant 28 now I have a child three and six there's two different children's voices
2: oh cool I have children but they're getting older now
1: so am I understanding this right that there are three of you with us and is that a fourth person? how many of you are there? Are there eight of you? Yep. <laughs> That's a lot of you in this room. It's a little crowded. <laughs> what would you like to say to us? Any one of you. I got a yep. You can say whatever you like. I heard several of I heard several of you say yes. I wonder if that earlier eight was saying how many were in the room. Maybe. Yeah? Um, I know that was one of the girls. I've heard two distinct female voices. Okay. Oh, that I few, didn't think we were going like, to have any children.
2: I, yeah, I didn't
1: realize either. So I'm, I'm wondering if that first eight was her telling me how many there was in. It was at the same yeah. female voice twice.
0: Yeah.
1: And then later it was a little bit different female voice. But I definitely heard, like, two little kids, too. And then there's a guy. I don't know who all they are. If we could get some names...
2: Yeah.
1: That would be nice.
2: Well, you got Mike again. We seem to get Mike often. I know. Are you
1: following us around, Mike? Who are you? Could be. Could you each tell us your names one at a time? (laughs) You don't have to be shy. We just like to know who we're talking to. But you have to speak up clearly and slowly. Okay, that was one of the women. Could you say your name again?
0: again? Please.
1: Don't all rush to the microphone at once, Ed? So, what are y'all doing here at the inn? Is there a reason why you're hanging out here? Yes? Could you tell us what that reason is? Did you work here? Did you live here? Were you passing? Through? Do you live close to here? Just passing through. It's so funny, I was literally getting nothing until you came out of that bathroom, and now there's a whole bunch of voices. (laughs) Do you like Kelly? She has a good energy. (laughs) Did you work here on the property? Did you work somewhere in the city? We're going to walk around the city tonight. Mm -hmm. See all the old historic buildings. So what do you like to do for fun? Any of you. Yeah, we weren't getting a whole lot of communication. I was hearing a lot of voices, but it was hard to catch exactly what those voices were saying. The spirit box can be very difficult to understand sometimes. Yes. The one thing that's cool is that even though you can't understand what's being said, you can distinguish voices. So that's why I was letting you know, okay, I'm hearing someone that sounds female. I'm hearing someone that sounds male. These are distinct voices. They sound different. And it was really cool. The first female voice that I heard was pretty close together the two times that I heard her, which if you're thinking, okay, you're cycling through the radio stations, maybe you came across the same voice twice coming out of the radio station, like a DJ or something like that. But this was so close together that it wouldn't have had time to cycle through. Yeah, most definitely not. We possibly had two children. You heard them saying that they were three and six. So I went back to the find a grave records and looked up the children because what was interesting is I was like, I don't understand why we have children here. Not thinking about the fact that this family had 11 children. So you've got that kind of residual energy there. Not to mention that many of them died young. And there is a possibility here that these were some of their children because the denims had several of those children who died young. Many of their burials have no birth date, so it's hard to peg who these two could be. But Jane Palmer Denham does have dates, and she was six when she died. And, of course, now I can't remember. And sometimes it's hard to distinguish children's gender with their voices.
2: Right. When they're young, it's hard to. Yeah. So I'm not sure if
1: it was a, a girl or a boy who said the three and the six. But I find it interesting that we do have a six that matches up with one of the children. And... Possibly we did have a, a boy who had died young, too, and there was no birth date. So maybe he was three. I'm not sure, because sometimes when they don't put a birth date, it's usually because it was the same day or the same year. So we turned off the
2: recorder and finished our investigation, but it wasn't over for the spirits. It was
1: amazing what happened next. So Kelly's unpacking stuff on top of the bed. And so she's kind of facing towards where the door would be. There was some furniture over on that side of the room, but she is not facing towards the mantle. As I said earlier, we have the EMF detector and the flashlight right next to each other up on the mantle. And this is a level mantle. It doesn't like lean down like you might have in some of these older homes. It's very level and we're getting nothing off the EMF. And I'd asked if it would turn the flashlight on and off and we weren't getting anything from that. So I wasn't really paying any attention to that stuff. I'm sitting on the ottoman, which is in front of the fireplace, and I'm facing towards the bed. So I have my back to the mantle, and we have a lamp that's on right next to the bed. And I kind of was looking at Kelly and talking to her, and out of the corner of my eye, I see a flash of light. I initially was thinking, oh, the lamp is blinking. The light must have blinked. So I look over at it just as I'm seeing this light again, And it kind of blinked away quickly. And then it blinked again. And I'm like, yeah, the lamp is flashing. And then I went, no, the lamp is just staying on. But I'm seeing light. And then I'm realizing, wait, that's like LED light. And then finally, you know, I'm blonde. It takes me a minute. (laughs) It's a circle of LED light. And my brain goes, that has to be the flashlight. So just as I'm thinking the flashlight is turning itself on and off, I'm spinning around to look at it on the mantle. I hear clink. And there was a little candy dish that's sitting in the middle of the mantel. It was about a foot away from where I'd had the flashlight. And the flashlight is now up against it and off. So I'm like, Kelly, the flashlight just turned on and off twice at least that I saw. And the flashlight had to have rolled and it rolled into the candy dish and just went tink. <laughs> yep. It was pretty cool. None of this, of course, recorded on video. We didn't have the audio recorder right. on so that you could hear the clink. And neither one of us were looking at it. So I was just seeing the flashlight turning on and off because I'm seeing the light hitting the wall in front of me. Exactly. And Kelly, you made an interesting observation as you've been listening back to some of the investigations we've done. It always seems like when we quit doing the investigation is when all of a sudden the flashlight like turns on and we're talking to other people about stuff. It's like, hey, pay attention to me. I'm still here. Exactly.
2: And it's typically right after we finish up with a spirit box session. Also. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it's either, hey, still pay attention to us, or I'm going to do a real flamboyant goodbye. (laughs) Perhaps, yeah. So we are open-minded skeptics. So immediately, I'm very excited because I'm like, oh my gosh, the flashlight did all this stuff. Right. But I need to test it because I'm like, okay, we have the flashlight. When you set it up for the experiment, it's set so that it's ready to just turn on if it gets touched. It's not completely off. So if it starts getting jostled or rolled, it could turn itself on and off. So you're thinking a flashlight rolling across the mantle, maybe it would turn itself on and off twice as it rolls into the candy dish. So I leave it just as it is. I put it back in the spot that I had it and I just start jumping. I'm like jumping. (laughs) I'm pounding on the mantle. I'm trying to shift back and forth. I'm trying to do everything I can to make that flashlight move. It was quite entertaining to watch. <laughs> to I'm to be sure honest. it was. <laughs> because it was sitting there for probably a good, I don't know, 20 minutes at least. Yeah. So I'd it's not so. like I'd set it up there and then all of a sudden it started rolling. I mean, what would make this flashlight all of a sudden roll halfway across the mantle after 20 minutes of just sitting there with no issues? Exactly. I couldn't get the thing to budge. So then I was like, okay, now I'm going to, I was like touching the flashlight and pressing all around it to see if I could just get the flashlight to turn itself on because it was being jostled right nothing happened in there then I tested it for let's see how level this is how well does the flashlight roll so when I just kind of tapped it lightly with my finger it would roll a couple of turns and then it stopped it did not go very far at all it was just like boom and it was just however much pressure I put on it to to roll it is as far as it would go So clearly we don't have a downward leaning mantle that's going to pull the flashlight that way. Correct. So then I gave it a really good push, which got it all the way to the candy dish. So what this told me is not only is there not enough here to just make that roll all on its own, but whatever did touch this and push it gave it a good little shove. Exactly. Man, I wish we'd gotten it on video. I know. (laughs) (laughs) It was such great evidence, I thought. And to not actually get to see it right with our eyes and everything. But it sure was cool as I'm sitting there going, huh, the lamp is flashing. No, it's not the lamp flashing. Wait a minute. That's got to be the flashlight. And then hearing clink. And in my head, I'm going, oh, my gosh, did it hit the candy dish behind me? And I looked and I'm like, oh, my God, that flashlight moved. Yeah, it was very cool. We've never had a flashlight move before. No, we have not. The EMF was doing absolutely nothing during all of that. I know. And that pretty much was it. We had no activity through the night. and um, That we know of. We basically slept like the dead. (laughs) Yeah, I did have the spirit box going again for a little bit. And we tried to see if we were talking to John. And it seemed to indicate that we were. And then I asked about his wife. And I was pretty sure I got the name Carolyn to come through, which is actually his wife's name. It was also one of his daughter's names, too. And you didn't even remember that. No, I'd done these notes before we'd gone. So at some point, I had seen Carolyn as his wife. Sure. But I didn't know it in the forefront of my brain. Like, if he says Carolyn, I'm going to be like, whoa, I was just like, oh, Carolyn, I think that was his wife's name, but I wasn't quite sure. Very cool. We went off to dinner and met up with Suzanne, one of our listeners. And for those of you who enjoy Cemetery Bingo, she is the creator of Cemetery Bingo. She is indeed. And Suzanne has been with me and listening to this podcast almost from the beginning. And this was the first time that we were going to meet in person. I was so excited to finally get to see her. And we live in the same state. So it's like, how did it take us six years (laughs) to meet up? Exactly. She also had her son, Drew, and his friend, Arian, was with us, too. We ate at Mafia Pizza, which is set up like a speakeasy and even had the outline of a body marked off on the floor. It sure did. (laughs) It had good food and beer. We definitely enjoyed that. Then we met Linda Schuyler Ford for our private ghost tour. She was amazing. And as I said, we're hopefully going to have Linda join us on a future episode to share the haunts of Monticello. Then as we're coming through the town, we actually our last stop was at the Denim Inn. And so she told us a little bit about the history there. And this includes people seeing the lady in white walk across behind the house, between the main house and the cottage in the back. And as she's telling us these stories and stuff, we noticed that the chandelier in the dining room did blink twice while we were standing out there. So I don't know if it was anything paranormal or just old electricity in the building. Could be. And then Linda did share her own personal experience at the Denim Inn, too.
0: And I asked her one day if I could go up in the cupola. It was like, you know pathetic. It was like, can I go on the big roller coaster? (laughs) And she said, yes. I went up. I had just, it was the first year that we had grown enough that I had brought in a, a few extra guides. And so I had my phone and I was walking up the stairs and I said, look, you guys, look, I'm here. I'm up in the cupola and look, there's his chair. And I sat down and there was this loud crash and I said a bad word and I stood up and threw my head back and my sunglasses went flying off my head and I never found them. Wow. Now it's just it's not a winding staircase it's it's like stair turn stairs turn there's no there's nothing there but stairs Uh and and the top where the chair is they could not have gone anywhere. But they disappeared. Wow. And I was terrified. I thought, did I break his chair? No, I didn't break his chair. What's wrong? What happened? What was? I mean, it was a horrible, loud crash. And I was terrified. And I swear to you, I was walking down the stairs with my back against the wall. <laughs> don't
1: push me. Don't push me.
0: And, and when I got to the bottom of the stairs, there were two pictures hanging inside the stairwell at the bottom of the stairs. Both had fallen off the wall. Wow. Oh, wow. When I went home, I was researching some trivia questions. It was October and our tours are a bit more party because we're staggering people and passing and it gets crazy, so we have more filler. So I I was looking up some trivia questions and what I came across, one of the questions was, what should you always do before entering a ghost space? And the answer was, ask permission.
1: And he sat in the chair.
0: The next time I visited, I opened the door and I called up and said, Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, (laughs) indeed.
2: So nothing happened through the night. No spirits woke us up. We had a great breakfast and then got to go up to the cupola. It was stuffy and probably had a great view before the live oaks got so big. And there was a chair sitting in there in case John wanted to have a seat. We didn't sit down. Yeah, we, uh, you know, from (laughs)
1: Linda's story, we learned our lesson from her story. Exactly. What was really cool is there was another family that was staying in the room that was next to ours, and they actually were the ones who would opened the door and were up in the couple, and we're like, oh, can we go up there? Yeah, very cool, indeed. And the mother and daughter were up there first, and so we just stood up there with them for a bit, and we're kind of looking out at everything, and we told them the story that Linda had told us and about how she'd lost her glasses, and as the mom was going down we were observing, there's really nowhere for the glasses to go. No, there wasn't. And there was this like little storage cabinet area that was underneath where the chair was at and everything. And she opened it up and was looking in there. And she's like, nope, there's no glasses in here. (laughs) So it was just kind of fun that they were like, wow, that's weird. And we were like, there is really nowhere that glasses could go to. So we don't know if John just took them or what happened. Yeah, who knows? Is the 1872 Denim Inn haunted? That? That? Is for you to, to decide. decide. Well, if you guys are ever in the panhandle of Florida up there, we highly encourage you to stay at the Denim Inn. It was a wonderful place. Loved that stuffed French toast for breakfast. It was
2: very good. I had never had French toast with jam in the middle.
1: No. And this is a place that was located really close to their historic downtown. So it was within walking distance to go down to the shops and everything there. And they clearly have a lot of great shops that we'd love to go through. Absolutely. I just love these small towns that you come into. They're they're not real big, but they have so much great stuff. And when they have a ghost tour on top of it, it's like heaven. Yeah, a lot of personality within that little town. We encourage you guys to check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. There is this new app out there called Jemmy. It's J-E-M-I. History Goes Bump is on there if you search us out and it has all of the different links where you can listen to the show, our websites, our Etsy shop, our Spreadshirt shop, everywhere that you'd want to find stuff. And we also have a couple of extra little things on there that we do if you want us to give a shout out to a friend, kind of like one of those cameo things. We have that on there. And we're also setting up where you can do like a one-on-one Zoom kind of hangout with us if you'd like to. Yep. Very cool. Or if you just want to buy us a beer, it has a way that you can (laughs) send us a tip for that. This is true. So we encourage you to check out the J-E-M-I app. Awesome. And we are going to have some new stuff up in our Etsy shop because our trip to New Orleans included my entire family. So my sister came down and she surprised us with some wonderful things that she made. She has a way of engraving things and she's come up with some leather keychains. There were coasters, koozies, that kind of thing. So we're going to get those up in the Etsy shop too, if that's something that would be of interest to you guys to add to your History Goes Bump logo gear. She does an amazing job. Yes, she does. She always comes up with this cool stuff. Amber sent us an email And she is from up in Canada. And she wanted to make some suggestions of some locations up there for us to feature. She's been listening to the podcast for almost 10 hours a day. She's been binging it. Awesome. And she says, my favorite haunted location is the Prince House in Heritage Park in Calgary. The nurse nanny of the children has been seen by many people around the third floor. Her voice has been heard along with sounds of giggling from the children. As a security officer, when I worked at Heritage Park, I thought I saw her out of the corner of my eye during my patrols. They have now closed the third floor of the Price House to the public, I'm afraid, but people have stated that they still see something looking out the third floor window where the nursery was located. I've also been to the Bamp Springs Hotel, which is listed as being haunted, but have not been able to spend the night to find out the truth about it. Very interesting. And then Christina wrote us, and she had a topic suggestion for a future show. Two suggestions. She lives about 30 miles south of Hannibal, Missouri, which is also known as America's hometown. And, of course, this is connected to Mark Twain. And she said there's a couple old mansions in Hannibal that might be interesting to cover. Rockcliffe Mansion and Garth Mansion. She'd been to Rockcliffe once years and years ago for a wedding on the grounds. She's never been to the Garth Mansion, but she recently discovered that it's currently for sale for a cool $2.4 million. All right, everybody chip in a little bit and we'll have a spectacular crew clubhouse. Yeah. Hey, we can have a clubhouse in Hannibal. And I mean, why not? According to her, there's a whole bunch of haunted locations in the city. So we'll definitely be checking that out in the future. We had a great time in New Orleans, Kelly. And one of the things that we have found a lot of people will ask me, what ghost tours do you recommend in these different cities that they go to? And as all these years have gone by, I am clearly figuring out that it's not so much the ghost tour that makes the tour, but the guide. Absolutely, without a doubt. Because we got to do a private tour with our favorite ghost tour guide we've ever had in new orleans and he switched companies and it was a great tour both times so it has nothing to do with the companies no we we absolutely adore cedric he's awesome we do and he's going to be joining us on a future episode as well we were going to try to do an interview while we were there but we just didn't have enough time with all the family stuff we were doing and everything but uh, be looking forward to that in the future. Most
2: definitely. I felt bad that we we weren't able to secure that time to be able to do the interview because we'd already been talking to him about it. But man, it was just a whirlwind of a trip.
1: And it was really cool this time because when we did it back in December, we all had to wear masks and stuff. But this time we actually could see each other. Exactly. It's like, oh, that's what you look like. And he had vampire teeth. So he does. It was very, very different to have his mask off. It was very entertaining. He's theatrical, but in a down-to-earth way. And I'm happy to say we found through our tour through New Orleans, we were there in December when there was hardly anybody there. We were on Bourbon Street where there was hardly a soul on the street, which you are never going to find in New Orleans. Definitely not. Usually it's wall-to-wall people. New Orleans in June of 2021 is Fully back to normal. Yeah, totally different story. Yeah, it's there's tons and tons of people there partying. It was it was a good time. We got out of that region early because <laughs> we're not party animals, but
2: we had a great time. Yeah,
1: great food, great music, and it was the first time that my side of my family, my sister and her family, my parents had ever been there. It was the first time for your boys who joined us up there. It was so everybody had a really good time. Good time was had by all. We want to thank you guys for tuning in to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. This episode has been brought to you by our executive producers. If you would like to become an executive producer of the History Goes Bump podcast and keep it going, help us out with our expenses, you can do that by heading over to the historygoesbump.com website. And over in the right-hand column, there's a place where you can either send a one-time donation or set up to subscribe to the show. You can do that either through PayPal or Patreon. And when you sign up to support the show, there are over 200 bonus episodes that are available to you. So if you've listened to all of the regular episodes, there's much more to listen to. It features other haunted locations and topics.
2: And thank you so much to those that support us financially. We would not have the ability to do this podcast without that financial
1: support. Yes, absolutely. We greatly appreciate our executive producers. Most definitely.
0: Sweet dreams.
2: The authorities and three fire brigade brigades,
1: brigades bring the
2: brigades. (laughs) He quickly called the authorities and three fire brigade. It's a tough word. Thanks. Hopefully, the results of it. (laughs) What was that? It's a mouth fart. So, he used that cupola to make an eye to make an eye. (laughs) what make an eye keep an eye doesn't matter making eyes at somebody yeah (laughs) the room is painted blue which is where it gets